This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Inshallah, we'll be reading from verse number 33 of Surah Fussilat, also known as Surah Hamim as Sajda. And that is page number 476 of the Sahih International that we're using. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن أحسن قولا ممن دعا إلى الله وعمل صالحا وعمل صالحا وقال إنني من المسلمين ولا تستوي الحسنة ولا السيئة ادفع بالتي هي أحسن فإذا الذي بينك وبينه عداوة فإذا الذي بينك وبينه عداوة كأنه ولي حميم وما يلقاها إلا الذين صبروا وما يلقاها إلا ذو حظ عظيم وإما ينزغنك من الشيطان نزغ فاستعذ بالله إنه هو السميع العليم ومن آياته الليل والنهار والشمس والقمر لا تسجدوا للشمس ولا للقمر واسجدوا لله الذي خلقهم فإن استكبروا فالذين عند ربك يسبحون له بالليل والنهار وهم لا يسأمون ومن آياته أنك ترى الأرض خاشعة فإذا أنزلنا عليها الماء اهتزت وربت إن الذي أحياها لمحي الموتى إنه على كل شيء قدير إن الذين يلحدون في آياتنا لا يخفون علينا أفمن يلقى في النار خير أم من يأتي آمنا يوم القيامة اعملوا ما شئتم إنه بما تعملون بصير إن الذين كفروا بالذكر لما جاءهم وإنه لكتاب عزيز لا يأتيه الباطل من بين يديه ولا من خلفه تنزيل من حكيم حميد ما يقال لك إلا ما قد قيل للرسل من قبلك إن ربك لذو مغفرة وذو عقاب أليم 
ولو جعلناه قرآنا أعجميا لقالوا لولا فصلت آياته أعجمي وعربي قل هو للذين آمنوا هدى وشفاء والذين لا يؤمنون في آذانهم وقر وهو عليهم عما أولئك ينادون من مكان بعيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه والتابعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam His household, his companions May Allah bless them all and every single one of us Ameen My mothers and sisters, verse number 33 of this beautiful surah Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making mention of the merit of those who invite towards him, those who call towards goodness, those who use the capacity and capability that Allah has given them or the capabilities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them to call towards goodness, the reward of such people. And this is why Allah says, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا Who is better in speech? Who can there be better in speech than the following person? Who is the person? مِمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ Who can there be better in speech than the one who calls toward Allah? The one who calls towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This would mean that the person who uses his mouth in the best possible way is he or she who calls towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reminds people to become better, to realize and recognize and appreciate who they are and where they are heading and why they are here. This is all part and parcel of the plan of Allah. So Allah says, if you want to use your tongue, your mouth in the best possible way, the best thing you could ever do with it is to call people towards their maker, to remind them that they were non-existent some time back. They were brought into existence by the supreme deity they then came into the world they are here for a purpose and they are heading somewhere just exactly as the others have headed may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us and may he make us use the faculties that he has blessed us with in a beautiful way such that when we meet him he is pleased with us so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on top of that meaning one is using your tongue but it's not enough to just use your tongue and to tell people do good and remember your maker and stop swearing cheating deceiving uh, sinning and so on uh, when we ourselves are not taking heed so allah says mimman da'a ila allah wa amila salihan who is there better in speech than the one who calls towards allah and does good deeds good deeds here means those deeds that are taught by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam approved by revelation. So whatever we do, all we need to ask ourselves, is this approved by revelation? Am I allowed to do what I'm doing right now? If the answer is yes, alhamdulillah. If it is no, room for improvement inshallah, as we say. And the, the, the movement closer towards Allah is what success lies in. So we are human beings. So we need to change a thousand things in our lives, for example. The fact that we're changing one thing at a time is movement in the right direction. 
But if we need to change only 10 things in our lives because we are quite much up there already and we happen to drop and increase that number to 11, 12, 13, we're actually heading in the wrong direction altogether. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us strength. And this is why if we take a careful look at the rest of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ إِنَّنِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ so I'm going to go back to the beginning of the verse. Who is there better in speech than the one who calls towards Allah and does good deeds himself and says, I am from amongst the submitters. I am from amongst the Muslimin. Qala, he says, or she says, or who, you know, the word qala is masculine. It's used because it's known as taghlib, although there will be females included in it, but it's the Arabic language and the linguistic rules. So basically, uh, the person says, I am a Muslim. I am from amongst the Muslims. I belong to Islam. I belong to the Muslims. That's a powerful statement because today people don't say that anymore. They say, I belong to this group and this sect and this little you know, chunk and I belong to that little faction of it and I'm at this corner and that angle and this person and that one. But where are those who say we are Muslimin? So this actually shows us that all barriers would be cut. Cut in the sense that, yes, you can follow your understanding, for example, follow your understanding of the deen, but it needs to be valid. It needs to be part of submission unto Allah. It cannot just be whims and fancies that are followed. No, it needs to be something concrete. That's all that is being mentioned. So a person who does good deeds, a person who calls towards Allah, and a person who uh, associates themselves with the rest of the ummah, so you are a part of the entire ummah, a part of one body. And this is what will make you a person who is successful in this world and the next. So let's take heed. What a powerful verse. A person who says, I am from amongst the Muslims. This is why when someone asks you, sorry, what are you? You say, I'm a Muslim. But what are you? You know, I'm a Muslim. Alhamdulillah, I'm a Muslim. I follow Islam. And that's what it is. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to understand this. Because today on the globe, if you take a look, and I'm going to mention this with the gloves off. Uh, if you take a look at the difficulties that we're facing here as an ummah, the challenges uh, that we're facing amongst ourselves are far greater than the challenges from outside, so to speak. People harming each other amongst the ummah far more than the harm that is reaching us from outside. And that is clear, manifest anywhere you go, any community that you have visited, anyone you look at today, we are heading in this direction. In fact, we are in it already. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to rekindle this unity. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to appreciate one another, to tolerate one another, to understand that differences will definitely exist. But at the end of the day, we should be uh, literally sticking up for one another, standing up for one another. And we should be feeling this unity and this bond of brotherhood. May Allah purify our hearts. It requires a good heart. And a good heart does not just come without an effort. You it is needed from you that you have to work on it. You have to force yourself to think in a specific way. And that is when you become friendly with others and you realize you need to forgive, forgo. And yes, where someone has oppressed you, you have every right to seek justice. But it needs to be done within limits and so on. And, you know, there is a whole bigger picture that we've been speaking about all along from the beginning of this tafsir. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us understand and may He grant us the ability to be from amongst the Muslimin in the true sense. Amen. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 34, And not equal are the good deed and the bad. I've just read it exactly as it is. It says, it's the good and bad, not equal at all. 
these two are very different. You know, someone who's doing good and someone who's doing bad are very, very different. So Allah says, okay, a person who sees bad, what should they do? So Allah says here, repel evil by that deed which is better. And thereupon the one whom between you and him is enmity will become as though he is a devoted friend. Wow, this is wisdom. Allah is telling us when you see something bad, when you see something evil, you're part of the ummah. In order to deal with it, deal with it in a way that the people whom you are trying to help would actually become so close to you, although there may have been enmity in the past. That's how you deal with crises in the ummah. So this is the lesson from Allah. And this is why in another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, عَسَ اللَّهُ أَن يَجْعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ وَبَيْنَ الَّذِينَ عَادَيْتُمْ مِنْهُمْ Allah is all able and capable to create love between you and those whom you hated. Because hate is something that's there a lot of the times for a reason. And when that reason disappears, it could change and it will probably change. And sometimes you find that it actually becomes the opposite. You know, someone you really disliked, you end up getting married to them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. And someone you really loved, you married them and then... I don't want to end the sentence. Okay. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us bliss in our marriages and grant us happiness and grant us goodness and may He make us from those who can help one another inshallah. May He make us from amongst those who can spread love and peace rather than spread pieces and hatred. So my mothers and sisters, here we are. Look at this. Allah is saying that repel evil with goodness in such a way that the person whom between you and them was enmity becomes so close to you and they become a friend of yours. They become so close. Today we have a small problem with someone. We can deal with it, but we decide to disassociate in such a dirty way that the problem becomes magnified and big. And then what happens is from something that was resolvable, we now become people who have really created pieces out of nothing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us understand. This is why be careful how you speak, how you address matters. Do you know where it starts? In the home, your own family, your children, your spouses, your parents, your in-laws. It starts with them. That's the core. And this, if, if the foundation is solid, then you will be able to deal with others in society, community, the broader ummah in a better way. But if the core is rotten, for example, how do you expect the trunk and the bark and the branches and the fruit to be pure and good when the, the, the root itself is already filled with, you know, Rot. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and may He guide us. So my mothers and sisters, what a powerful verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is training us, teaching us, instructing us, guiding us. He says, repel evil with goodness. Now this doesn't mean that when someone you know, has committed murder or usurped your wealth, then you just need to say, okay, it's okay, I'm very good, I'm very kind, I forgive you and it's okay, you can carry on. No. It means wherever possible, in whatever way, repel the evil in such a way that it will be eradicated, yes, but with a beautiful method, in a nice way. Sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind in the sense that if a person has committed a, a heinous crime, for example, a part and parcel of rectifying the problem would be uh, to take them to task. And by taking them to task, it would be a deterrent for others who might have been thinking on similar lines. And it will be a lesson for that particular person that I cannot get away with this type of thing. So we've helped the rest of society as well as that person. This is called goodness. I've contributed towards society. And this is why the penal code in the Sharia is quite severe. In fact, it is hard 
to use the, you know, the, some of the best words. It's hard because it's a deterrent. The minute you, you punish someone and penalize them in a specific way, uh, the rest of the people who might have been thinking on those lines, as we've just said, would be deterred. But if the law of the land is so lenient that the biggest of criminals get away with murder, it will definitely increase the number of murderers in society because they will look at it and think, you know what, he got away with it, she got away with it. Well, if I do it, I'll get away with it. Quick bucks or whatever else it is, I can achieve what I want. And you know what, it's okay, I'll get away with it. So this is why if you study the countries where crime is rising or is on a very high level, you will notice there is a flaw in the law straight away because you will notice it is so lenient, it protects criminals and it gives them so much of hope that you know what, you commit a crime, don't worry. We know the judges, we know the system, we know whatever else it is, we know how it works and we will operate in a way that you get away with it. Don't worry, relax, that's it. Just sit back and sleep. So they've committed murder after murder, done whatever they wanted, fraudulently, for example, taken the wealth of people and they still sleep and they snore when they sleep. Imagine. Whereas with us, even if we've lost something, we, we, we can't even sleep. Subhanallah. Like last night, I don't know if you suffered the same suffering we did. When we heard that someone somewhere, I think it was in the stadium at the showgrounds or somewhere, uh, yelling and screaming, you know, church songs up to two in the morning. So loud, inconsiderate. They might complain about the adhan which lasts 59 seconds. But here we are, loud sounds, so loud, and they're preaching and they, they're praying for forgiveness and the whole world is cursing them because nobody can sleep. Allahu Akbar. You know, I thought definitely last night that if I were to sell earplugs or give them, I'd make a fortune, subhanallah. And I'm sure you heard it because the whole city heard it. And this was ridiculous. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us from those who claim to be worshipping our maker and as a result disturbing the peace of the rest of the nation. That is not religion. That is actually something wrong, really. You don't, right now I'm speaking to you. We're using a microphone whereby we, the people in this hall can hear and the people in the other hall may not be able to hear. They won't be able to. Imagine if we were here in this hall and we had such loud speakers that the people who are in the stadium across a few kilometers down would be able to hear. <laughs> then what's the point? The people who are right here can only hear you know, the sound of a braying ass, so to speak. Because you can't hear anything, to be honest with you. It's so loud that all you can hear is a big sound. May Allah forgive us, really. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us. I was extremely upset. And I thought to myself, the best thing to do is to pray for such people. To, to become considerate of the rest of the human race. They are not the only ones in the world. The same applies to us. Let's not become forgetful to think, okay, they did it. Sometimes we do the same. Sometimes our children do the same. You know, I always am uh, so startled and so sometimes, you know, shocked by children who have motor vehicles that have sound systems that are so loud that it moves the whole street, really. You know, the, the, you can actually see the vibration in the street lights. And the truth is, they have earplugs. How's that? They have earplugs. Shocking. And who's supposed to listen? Well, they say it's a free massage on the chair because, you know, the chair vibrates so much that, you know, it moves you. Allahu Akbar. Is this society? And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when you deal with things, deal with them correctly. Deal with them in a beautiful way. You know, if, if people had to go and start swearing and shouting, it wouldn't be correct. First, you pray for goodness. You ask Allah for guidance. You ask Him to guide you to the best way of dealing with the scenario. And then you get up and you start dealing with it in such a beautiful way. This applies even with your in-laws.
Here we are. My mothers and sisters, what beautiful verses of the Quran. I think we should read it again. Allah says, And not equal are the good deed and the bad. Repel evil by that deed which is better. And thereupon the one whom between you and him is enmity will become as though he is a devoted friend. In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, But none is granted it except those who are patient. And none is granted it except one having a great portion of good. If Allah has written goodness for you, then you are granted it. What is it referring to? It's referring to the goodness and paradise. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking of Jannah. If you recall last week, we spoke about how the angels would descend upon those who do good and who believe and would tell them, don't worry, you have nothing to worry or fear about. There is goodness coming in your direction. Allah says, Though who will get all that? And who will be able to address the, you know, a difficulty in a way that it becomes a point of ease? It's only those who are patient, those whom good fortune is written for. And those who try, those who uh, you know, practice restraint on one hand and on the other hand forbearance. And at the same time are patient with what comes in their direction. And the, the, the cherry on the cake is paradise. May Allah grant it to us. In this world I may not be able to achieve what I want. But I will be working in that direction because the Almighty is watching me. He sees me and He will reward me. If I don't see the reward whilst I'm living here... I will definitely see it later on because I know I pleased my maker or I tried to at least. But at the same time, I need to be patient and I need to continue being patient. And guess what? Patience. The test of patience is such that many people lose it at some stage. So I'm patient. You say, but I've been patient for two whole years. How, how long do you want me to be patient for? Guess what? There were only five more days for you to be patient. But five days before you reached the target, you gave up. Why? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. And I need to stop and make mention of something very important. Never ever let people usurp your rights and encourage you to keep being patient. That's wrong. That is oppression. And that is what we were saying moments ago, that sometimes you need to deal with things in order to help others. So like in some homes, you have a husband or you have a situation where people are beating you up and they're oppressing you and they say, no, be patient, be patient. You go and seek help and everyone's telling you, be patient, be patient, be patient. And then your bones are broken and then your eyesight is gone. Be patient, be patient. And then everything happens and then they burn you. Be patient. And then your legs broken. Be patient, be patient. And you suffer, suffer. You're a Muslim woman. Be patient. That is nonsense. That is absolutely unacceptable. You cannot afford to allow the word sabr to overtake uh, this type of situation and throw you into a scenario that is absolutely unacceptable. No. Part of your sabr would be to get up and seek help. And to get up and to seek a solution that would result in your protection and a lesson for others. Allahu Akbar. So this is the balance. Never ever let people think, you know, like I know, uh, for example, there's been a situation or situations in the past and they keep on repeating themselves where people come and say, no, the Prophet ﷺ was so forgiving and you know, he forgave, he forgave his enemies, he forgave this, he forgave that, he did this, he was so forgiving. Yes, that's true. People say Jesus did the same. May Allah's peace be upon him. Isa ﷺ, correct, they forgave. But the same messengers also prepared armies to fight the enemy. Why? Because there's a limit to patience. You can't keep on smacking me every day. One smack, be patient. Another one, be patient. Another one, sabr, I'm testing your sabr. 
Are you a Muslim? Inna Allah ma'as-sabirin. And have you noticed something? I always notice when you enter a home and you notice the plaques and the little you know, things that are put up. When it says, as you enter the door, Inna Allah ma'as-sabirin, you must know there's a problem in the home here. Allahu Akbar. Really, sometimes that's what happens. People intentionally, husband goes to town and he sees all these little things. Ah, we're going to buy this for the house and that for the... Lovely scenarios and pictures of, you know, the, 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 the countryside cottage scene of Britain and so on. And, and then he sees a verse saying, Allah sabirin, And the translation, he says, I need this at home. I need this at home. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. May Allah protect us, really. I hope that's not the case. Let's hope it's not in our societies. But my mothers and sisters, this I'm making mention of because the term sabr came into the verse. You know, Jannah is achieved only by those who are patient. Continue being patient. When should I stop being patient? At the point of death. And this patience is connected to fulfillment of the obligations towards Allah and abstention from prohibition. That's what the pain. And acceptance of the decree of Allah where you have had nothing to do in it. No role to play. That means, for example, you, the death of a loved one. May Allah grant him Jannah from our communities. Recently, we've had quite a few deaths. We make dua for all of them. And we need to make dua for Jannah. Even if someone did not really get along with you in this world, believe me, make dua for them from amongst the Ummah. May Allah grant them Jannah. Because I tell you, it is better for your own Jannah to have made dua for someone else's Jannah. Allahu Akbar. You know, when you make dua for someone else, the angels say, Oh Allah, grant this person similar to what they've asked for the other person. So why don't you say, Oh Allah, those enemies of mine who don't like me, they're part of the ummah, grant them Jannah. Grant them Jannah, forgive them, Ya Allah, grant them a lofty rank in Jannah. And the angels are saying, Oh Allah, grant this person a lofty rank in Jannah. Whose dua is better, mine or the angels? Definitely the angels. So that's how you get the dua of the angels. You want the dua of the angels similar to what? Or you want to choose the dua of the angels? The best way of doing it is start making a similar dua for others. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, uh, you need a lot of patience and you need to have a good portion. A good portion meaning it's Allah's choice. Uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has apportioned and it's his, his decree. And this is why we ask Allah to decree for us that which is good. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decree for us that which is good. Amen. Verse number 36, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And if there comes to you from Satan an evil suggestion, then seek refuge in Allah immediately. Indeed, He is the hearing, the knowing. What a beautiful verse. Imagine the sequence of these verses, so powerful. Allah is telling us about paradise, He's telling us about enemies and how to deal with crises and issues. Then He reminds us to say, look, Satan is going to come, He's going to keep trying, and that's the whole struggle. He's going to keep coming to you again and again and again. Whenever He comes and tries to suggest something, and I like the wording here, the, the translation, you know, the whispers of the devil. And here it says, the suggestions of the devil. He suggests things. And some people say, well, we don't see him. Believe me, he operates through Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and whatever else it is. Sometimes even yellow teeth when we don't use tooth, you know, the, the brush that we need to, or the miswak. But at the same time, my mothers and sisters, how beautifully Allah has told us, seek Allah's protection. The minute you have a bad thought, say, A'udhu billahi shaytanir rajim. I seek refuge in Allah from shaitan the accursed. Say it. Say it again. A'udhu billahi shaytanir rajim. Bad thought comes in. Seek Allah's protection. Say it once, twice. And say it genuinely. You know, some people, they, they think of committing a sin. But they still go ahead and commit the sin. Come on, come on. Are you serious? Did you really say, Oh Allah, I seek your protection from the devil? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So Allah tells us, look, 
In the morning, you're feeling lazy to get up for salah. You want jannah, you need sabr. And when shaitan starts making you feel cozy in your bed, a'udhu billahi, by the time you say a'udhu billahi, before you say minash shaitan, that whole duvet is off and you're sitting. And by the time you say rajim, you're in the bathroom. And guess what? The water's on. That's how, that's a true mu'min. So you're doing something about it in the process. You don't just lip, you know, lip service to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to try. You have to keep trying. You have to say, oh Allah, grant me goodness. And you're working towards goodness. I can't work towards hell and then say, oh Allah, give me jannah. I'm trying, at least trying. Like we said, thousand weaknesses. Eradicate them. One, two, three, four, five. Now you're at least getting, by the time you die, you might have had 900, but Allah knows that you, you were eradicating them, you know, quite systematically. And uh, subhanallah, it, it, you were moving in the right direction. Alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and strengthen us. So Allah says, whenever the devil comes to try and suggest or whisper to you anything wrong, the first point of thought should be to seek Allah's protection. Oh Allah, protect me from shaitan the accursed. Look at the verse. Seek the protection of Allah. Whenever the devil comes to try and suggest things to you that are wrong, then Allah says, It is Allah indeed. He is the one who is the all-hearer, the all-knower. He knows absolutely everything and he's hearing. He watches. Nobody can hide anything from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this verse is known as a verse of a sajda. Sajda meaning, uh, when we hear this verse, we're supposed to stop and to fulfill a sajda for the sake of Allah. The qibla is actually, I'm sure you know which direction it is because we're right next to the masjid. So we make one sajda for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's listen to the verse. One might ask, why do we have to do these prostrations? Well, for many reasons. One is when Allah makes mention of the previous people and how they prostrated to Allah or for Allah, we do the same to say we are also prostrating for you, O Allah. Two is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs us to prostrate, we prostrate. Three is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of how others did not prostrate when they were asked to prostrate. We, we, we prove that we are not from amongst them by prostrating. So these are just some of the reasons why there are these uh, verses known as uh, verses which have in them a sajda of tilawah. You know, a, a, a prostration of recitation of a verse of the Qur'an. When you recite that verse, it's important for you to prostrate. So remember this, my mothers and sisters, and we owe this one to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ From the signs of Allah are the night and the day and the sun and the moon. Do not prostrate to the sun or to the moon, but prostrate to Allah who created them. If it should be Him that you worship. If it is Him that you worship, then prostrate to Him, not to the sun, the moon, or the night, the day, etc., etc. Do not prostrate to the sun or the moon. So this is an instruction from Allah to us to prostrate. So this is why we fall prostrate. And this verse shows us that you are not allowed to render a single act of worship for anyone or anything besides Allah. This is it. So Allah is saying, if you really worship Allah, then don't prostrate to other things or to the creatures of Allah. These are the signs of Allah. How can you prostrate to a sign of Allah? Prostrate to Allah. So this is why he says this. Let me quickly read the translation again. Allah says, And of his signs are the night and the day, and the sun and the moon. Do not prostrate to the sun or the moon, 
but prostrate to Allah who created them. If it is He whom you worship, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So is it He whom you worship, your Maker, the one who created the stars, the moon, the sun, the day, the night? If the Creator is whom you worship, then prostrate to Him alone. May Allah accept our sujood. May He accept our prostration. Amen. But if they are arrogant, if they are arrogant, if anyone refuses to prostrate to Allah or to worship Allah, or if anyone worships besides Allah anything else, then those who are near your Lord, meaning the angels, exalt Him by night and by day. And they do not become weary. They do not become tired. They do not become... They are not arrogant at all. So Allah says, we do not need you to worship us. But if you worship us, it will help you, not us. Allah is absolutely independent. He has others who worship Him anyway. And He is independent of His worshippers. But, meaning He does not need them, but they need Him. So when I prostrate to Allah, I am actually more in need of that prostration. I am the only one in need of that prostration because Allah is not. But Allah will reward me. He appreciates. And Allah, it's part of our test to find Him, to worship Him alone. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 39, And of His signs is that you see the earth stilled. But when we send down upon it rain, it quivers and grows. Wow, subhanallah. One of the signs of Allah is that you see the earth still, you know, just before the rainy season. Go and have a peep. No greenery. Everything is dry, still. And suddenly, Allah sends upon it rain and it quivers and grows. Indeed, He who has given it life is the giver of the life to the dead as well. So Allah is reminding us through this verse, I will resurrect. Like how every single year, the earth basically dies, plantation is gone. When we send rain, it grows and becomes green, given life once again. When you are gone, we will cause it to rain in a specific way and you will grow. You will be resurrected once again. In one verse, he says, it is easier for us to resurrect than to have created in the first place. So if we did create in the first place, why do you doubt resurrection? Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resurrect us with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and in the right camp. Amin. So here he says, indeed, he is over all things competent. Allah is able, capable. He does everything and anything. Nothing is impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, it is he who has given life to the dead. He is the giver of life to the dead. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, verse number 40, Indeed those who reject, or should I say, indeed those who inject deviation into our verses are not concealed from us. Allahu Akbar. Those who inject deviation, those who misinterpret our, our verses, those who use them in order to lead people astray. May Allah forgive us and may He guide us, may He strengthen us and may He grant us solid sound knowledge. Uh, those who use the verses of Allah to deviate, Allah says, don't 
think that they are concealed from us. We know what they're doing. We know the oppression of every single person. We know what everyone is doing. And if we haven't taken them to task just yet, don't think that we don't know what they're doing. Don't think that they are concealed from us. They're not. We know exactly what's happening. In this particular verse, the, 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 the injection of deviation in the verses of Allah is being made mention of. But Allah is all-knowing of absolutely everything. Nothing is concealed from Allah. Sometimes in our lives, somebody does wrong to us and they continue oppressing and they continue wholesale doing things that are totally wrong. And we are sitting thinking, when is Allah going to take these people to task? And Allah is telling us, don't worry. What they are doing is not concealed from us. We know what they are doing. Let's listen to what Allah says thereafter. Is he who is cast into the fire better than he who comes secure on the day of resurrection? Question. Asked by Allah. So Allah is trying to tell us, ultimately, even if you don't see that we have punished them or penalized them in this world, ultimately, they will not be granted entry into Jannah, perhaps. And then you tell us that if a person is granted entry into paradise and is secure on the day of resurrection, are they equal or is he or she equal to the one who comes on the day of judgment and is cast into hellfire? So don't worry. Justice will prevail. If you don't see it now in your life because you haven't understood the system of Allah, you need to know that there will come a day when nobody can hide away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you know, this has got to do with so many things and every form of oppression. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will either serve a punishment in this world. And believe me, that is easier and lighter for those who are punished. If they take heed from that and they mend their ways and they become better people, it was far lighter for them to have been penalized in this world. It's like correcting your answer in the exam room for some reason. You happen to correct it and you know, you, you, you start it again. You know, I heard of a story, subhanAllah, of a young boy. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him goodness where his mom was saying that he started answering the questions. Muslim boy started answering questions in an examination. And somewhere down he realized, I haven't yet said Bismillah. So what he did is he took an eraser. He erased all the answers. Then he said Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim and he started again. And guess what? He passed with flying colors. Subhanallah. How beautiful. What a touching story. Allahu Akbar. Imagine how cute that is. Where a child going into the exam room and the mom must have taught the child to say Bismillah. Don't forget, say Bismillah. And he starts writing the answers and everything and he realizes somewhere down the line, Hey, I haven't said Bismillah. So he erases all the answers and then he says Bismillah and he starts again. And guess what? It helped him. <laughs> so mashallah, mashallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. Obviously that's just brought because uh, to show the importance of the name of Allah. Allah is always in the equation. If you train your children in a specific way, they will understand what you're saying. But if we do not bother ourselves, then what do you expect of our own children? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us be the best of moms and dads. And may He help us be, you know, uh, may He help us assist our own children, but help ourselves as well at the same time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Do whatever you will, indeed he is seeing of what you do. Now one of the misinterpretations of this, people say Allah says in the Quran, ma Do as you wish. So let's just do as we wish. No, it's like a mother or a father tells the child, you know, if you do this, this is what will happen. And if you do that, that's what will happen. Now do what you want, let's see. Now, if they only take the last part of that particular, you know, statement, 
they will obviously be penalized because you want them. After you've told them so many times what's right and what's wrong and the penalty of doing what's wrong and the goodness of doing what's right, then you tell them, now do what you want. Let's see. You know? So this is Allah. He has just told us there will be people who will be cast in hellfire. There will be people who will be granted security and goodness on the day of judgment. Now you do what you want, meaning choose between the two. It's up to you. Choose. We've left it to you. Subhanallah. Choose. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us make the correct choices and may He help us be strong. So Allah says, Do whatever you will. I'malu ma shi'tum. Innahu bima ta'amaluna khabir. Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Innahu bima ta'amaluna basir. He is watching. He's, he's seeing whatever you do. He's watching. The account is being taken. Everything is being recorded. Then Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِالذِّكْرِ لَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ Indeed, those who disbelieve in this Qur'an, a dhikr here is referring to the message, the Qur'an. Dhikr, it's known as a dhikr. Those who disbelieve in the Qur'an after it has come to them, and indeed, it is a mighty book. Falsehood cannot approach it from before it or behind it. It is a revelation from the Lord who is wise and praiseworthy. Allah is mentioning the power of the Qur'an. And Allah says, those who will be granted or those who will be cast into hellfire will be those who have disbelieved in the message completely after it came to them. And Allah says, this is a mighty book. Don't you ponder over its verses. Don't you look at it. No form of change can come to it from the back or the front. Nowhere. Either in history, in the past or in the future. The Qur'an will always remain protected. And Allah says, falsehood cannot, cannot approach it. Falsehood cannot contaminate the truth of the Qur'an. People can try. They've tried it from the beginning. They keep on trying and they will keep on trying. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has warned us about. But they will never succeed. You want to know the words of Allah, you will always be able to know them. They are available for you and I to look into, to ponder over. And that is what will result in our success. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who disbelieve in the message in the Qur'an after it has come to them. Indeed, it is a mighty book. The Qur'an is a mighty book. I want to stop for a minute and tell you, do you know the term dhikr? People say you should involve in dhikr, you should read dhikr. Yes, for us, the most powerful thing to do is the dhikr of Allah. Dhikr meaning remembrance. Dhikr also means the reminders. But did you know that afdalu dhikri tilawatul Qur'an? The best form of dhikr is to read the Qur'an and try and understand it. That's the best form of dhikr you could ever have because the most powerful word in existence is the word of the creator of entire existence. Did you ever think of that? The most powerful word in existence is the word of the creator of entire existence. That's his word. So there can never ever be a single word more powerful than the words of the Quran. So therefore, make sure you do not die before you've understood the Quran. Allahu Akbar. May Allah forgive those who've already died without knowing a single droplet of the meaning of what Allah wanted from them in life. But may He not make us from those who follow the same path. May He make us from those who want to know what's the Qur'an saying. I'm convinced that if you've read the Qur'an thoroughly with its meaning, genuinely, with sincerity, nobody will be able to fool you regarding worshipping Allah. Because it's there, clear, black and white. It's there, straight. It's the word of Allah. The most powerful word in existence ever. Nobody and nothing will ever be able to compete with the word of Allah. And yet, 
we couldn't be bothered. You know, 45 minutes a week, what's that? And still we don't make an effort sometimes. May Allah help us, may He forgive us, may He strengthen us. Really, it's worth it. Believe me, it's really, really worth it to make an effort to learn the meanings of the Qur'an. Allahu Akbar. Nobody will be able to fool you. Read and you'll see the deviations of the people. You'll see where people are going wrong. You'll see where you've been going wrong. And you can actually correct yourself. And it will lead you to the sunnah of Muhammad It will lead you to respecting the scholars of the deen and so on and so forth. Those who've sacrificed from aforetime. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. May He guide us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Nothing is said to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, except what was already said to the messengers before you. Indeed, your Lord is a possessor of forgiveness and a possessor of painful penalty. Look at how beautifully Allah words it. He gives you both of the options. He says, Allah is the possessor of forgiveness. Inna rabbaka ladhu maghfiratin. Wow, it makes us cry. Inna rabbaka ladhu maghfirah. Allah is the possessor of forgiveness, so have hope in Him. But remember, don't let your hope become so false that you fall into another bracket because Allah is also the possessor of painful penalty if He wishes. What a powerful balance. You know, when someone is too hopeful that they can get away with murder, they begin to murder. But when someone's made a mistake and they know they were wrong, they won't do it again and so on, then alhamdulillah, they have hope. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and may He forgive us. Then Allah says, And if we had made it a foreign or a non-Arabic Qur'an, they would have said, Why are its verses not explained in detail in our language? It is a foreign. Or they would ask a question, Is it a foreign recitation and an Arab messenger? How can we have a mixture of both? We have an Arab messenger and we have a foreign language in which he is uh, explaining revelation or the verses have been revealed. Allah says, say, it is for those who believe a guidance and a cure. The Quran is a guidance and a cure for those who believe. That's the meaning. You want to be guided? The Quran. If you believe, will guide but if you don't believe, you can read the Qur'an as many times as you want with no sincerity, without the correct eyes to look at it, you won't ever achieve that guidance. But if you are searching for guidance, one read of the Qur'an is enough to change you. Not even the whole Qur'an, few verses will wake you up. You realize the difference between this and others, the other books where people have now changed things and so on. And we don't even need to talk about that because we have something far greater and far better. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, indeed, this book is for the believers a guidance and cure. It cures what is in the heart. It has physical cure for your sickness and ailment. There are verses in the Quran that will help you and cure you and protect you and so much more because these are the words not of anyone but of Allah, your maker and mind, the owner of the cure that you are searching for. These are his words. So read them, recite them, repeat them and you achieve the cure. May Allah cure us of our diseases inner and outer, physical as well as internal, spiritual diseases. May Allah purify our hearts as well as our blood. Amen. What beautiful Quran. What a gift we have. What a powerful gift. Read the Quran, recite it, listen to it, see how it soothes you. Listen to a beautiful recitation of the Quran when you're feeling a little bit upset or temperamental and see how it soothes you. If you ever want to raise the volume of something rather than raising the volume of beat and so on, raise it with the Quran. See how it calms you down. Subhanallah. Remember not to disturb others. We have to say that because some people, in the name of doing something good, in the name of church and in the name of God, they start disturbing the whole world thinking that it's okay. Allahu Akbar. Muslims should not be like that.
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Say, it is for those who believe a, a guidance and cure. And those who do not believe, in their ears is deafness. And it is upon them blindness. If they don't believe and they've looked at it with the wrong eyes, we've already just said it, they will not be able to hear, although they might be physically hearing, but there's a deafness in their ears that prohibits them from thinking about what they've heard. And Allah says, there is a blindness, they will not be able to see the path. It's clear cut in front of them, but they won't be able to see it because they lack sincerity. They lack the true search or the, you know, the, the, the need to search correctly. They're lacking. They don't have it. Subhanallah. Those are being called from a distant place. Allahu Akbar. What is the distant place? For all practical purposes, since they neither hear nor understand. So for them, it's far away. Far away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May He grant us Jannah. Our time is up. In fact, we've clocked a little bit more than the usual 45 minutes. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us. My mothers and sisters, a concluding note. Let us strengthen our link with the word of Allah. Let us strengthen our link with Allah and let us learn how to deal with people and at the same time try to convert every negative situation into a positive one by the help of Allah and by His guidance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallahi bihamdihi subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayki.